All right. Children for Super Church, third grade and under, can follow the adults out the back door. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. We've been talking about the church, and uh, it's been really awesome in, in every aspect, at least for me, to take a good look at the church that Jesus Christ established and that Jesus Christ is building and all that's going on with that because, man, honestly, uh, we really have a pretty low view of the church today. Uh, Many believers, many, at least so-called believers, I'll say that for them, say, you know, I know Jesus is my Lord and Savior, but I don't want to have anything to do with the church. I don't want to have anything to do with a church. And they range from excuses from, you know, I don't like crowds, which is as pathetic as it gets. Not trying to be mean, if you're one of those people that don't like crowds, pretty pathetic, because honestly, no excuse not to be a part of a church. Two, you know, there's too many hypocrites in the church. And uh, by the way, be careful when you say that. You're probably one of them, because everybody has something to hide for most parts, right? Would you like everybody to know everything about you? Probably not, right? And so here we have this crazy thing going on today in America that says, Look, you can be a Christian and not be a part of the church. Look, you can be a Christian and not use your gifts in among the others in the church. Look, you can be a Christian, and and it kind of travels down as you go on. You can be a Christian and be anything you want to be. You can be a Christian and live any way you want to live. You can be a Christian, and it really doesn't matter what you do. But that couldn't be more further from the truth than anything I could think of. First of all, the church, man, it's Christ's church. It's not my church, thankfully. It's not your church, thankfully. It's Christ's church. And it's important to Him. Matter of fact, so important that He bought the church with His blood, right? And He tells us that the church is designed to be used by Him for Him to carry out His plan in this world. And i got to tell you, that's pretty exciting. Because we live in a nasty, sin-filled, broken world, don't we? Look around you sometime and see if it's not broken. Look around you and see if there's not heartache at every level. See if there's not wickedness at every level. See if there's not corruption at every level. See if there's not death and dying and disease and all the kind of ruin that lives in our life. We've just kind of gotten used to it, right? So that it's no big deal anymore. But I want you to know it's a big deal to those who are broken. And it's a big deal to those who are sick. It's a big deal to those who are in need. It's a big deal to those who are afraid. It's most importantly a big deal to those who are lost. It is a big deal about how we respond to God as His church. Because we make a difference. matter of fact, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, the the strongest force on earth today that even the demonic altars, if you will, cannot stand against is the church. The church. So, what about it? Does it matter in your life about who you are and how you relate to the church? Because we talked a couple weeks ago about how God has given a variety of gifts and a variety of ministries and a variety of effects, but He has done all of that for the common good, right? In other words, if you're a believer, man, you better be using what God has given you according to the way He wants you to use it for His glory. That's your call. 
And then last week we talked about a fairly shocking passage of Scripture out of Ephesians chapter 4. As, as God's Word writes to us and tells us that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are not to walk and live like the Gentiles. And really what that means is we're not to walk and live like pagan unbelievers. And yet apparently in Ephesus, many of the believers were living like the unbelievers. And guess what? It's still happening today in America. Is that true? I don't get much response. I know you're not supposed to talk in my sermon, right? But is that true? Yeah, we don't like to say that very loud, even after I say, say yes, right? Man, listen to this passage of Scripture with me. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. And I want you to think about your life today. If you claim to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, how are you living? I mean, are you living at such a level that you are contrary to the ways of the world? Or is your life an awful lot like the people around you? And you know, maybe you'll see here that it tells us maybe something different. Ephesians 4.17 So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught in Him just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Let's pray together. Father, I love you and thank you this morning for your word. And Lord, this is not an easy passage of scripture. And honestly, Lord, it makes me uncomfortable. And I pray that it'll make others uncomfortable because it's a call back to holiness and righteousness. It's a call to move away from the things of the world and into the things of God. And I ask, Lord, that you'd speak powerfully, that you'd give us the courage to respond obediently, that those that are here that know you would walk with you, and that those that are here that don't know you would be saved today. May you be exalted as you speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we talked about verses 17 through 19 last week, and and literally it's this call to no longer walk like the Gentiles do. And, And he talks about the way a Gentile unbeliever walks, the way an unbeliever who's rejected Jesus Christ walks. He walks in the futility of his mind. In other words, the thing that he's chasing after and the goals that he has in his life He can never reach because he's not got the proper understanding and the proper purpose. It's futile, in other words. Man, those that don't know God, those that don't live for God, are absolutely wasting their time. Because even if you're successful in this world, when you die without Jesus Christ, the Bible says you are condemned to death and hell forever and ever and ever and ever. You lost. Your whole life was futile. It was meaningless. And you passed that futility on to your sons and your daughters and your grandsons and your granddaughters and your great-grandsons and your great-granddaughters. And it's just this life of futility, right? It says not only are you futile if you don't walk with God, but you are darkened in your understanding. 
And we talked about that a little bit, about how, it's, how interesting it is to talk to people that live in the world and how interesting it is to share with them the truth of God's Word. Because honestly, the highest level of their understanding is the lowest level of God's. They understand things through the flesh. They understand things by what they can touch, what they can see, what they can taste, what they can accomplish. And God's Word teaches that His ways are so far above ours that we can't even comprehend them. He doesn't care who the world power is today. He does not bow to any world leader. He does not bow to any military. He does not bow to any force on this earth. He is the force. And yet here we are thinking that our own ways are going to accomplish something great apart from God. It tells us in these verses that those that don't walk with God are excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their heart. In other words, those that aren't living for Jesus Christ and those that don't know Jesus Christ are ignorant of the ways of God. And they're ignorant because of the hardness of their heart to listen to the Word of God and His ways. And then he tells us that because they've become callous, they've given themselves over to sensuality, which means anything goes. Any sin you want to have, any reprobate action you want to commit, it just all goes when you don't walk any longer with God bringing about impurity with greediness. Man, does that sound familiar to anybody? Do we live in a world filled with just anything goes? Is our nation anything goes? Man, just turn on the TV and find out if anything goes. There's some shows on regular TV at 7 o'clock at night when all the kids are sitting around that are just as immoral and ungodly and despicable, have all kinds of sexual innuendos, all kinds of just nastiness and foul language and everything. And you know what? Our, our society, including believers, don't even care anymore. As long as it's funny or as long as it's dramatic, as long as it's entertaining, hey, man, anything goes. How about you turn on the computer? You can turn on the computer and be minding your own business and have something nasty pop up on your screen. I mean, we live in a nasty world, do we not? And this passage is a warning to believers to not walk like the unbelievers. He's not writing this to unbelievers. He's writing it to us. And here's the crazy thing, is that so many believers today walk like unbelievers that we're not so sure if it's not the way to be. So many believers today walk like the world that other believers are going, well, isn't that the way we should walk? If they're going to be that ungodly, why can't I be that ungodly? After all, I'm saved, right? What difference does it make if I'm committed to Jesus? What difference does it make if I'm righteous? What difference does it make if I'm striving for holiness? What difference does it make? True? Man, I'm here to tell you that, man, I can't even put a percentage on the number of believers that are far more committed to something worthless than they are to Jesus. Now look at this passage in verse 20. It says, but you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus. Man, not only should we no longer walk like the unbelievers, but that's not what we learned in Christ. And literally what it's talking about, this word learned, is to know. And it's a reference to our salvation. You did not learn Christ this way. In other words, you did not come to know Jesus Christ 
in this way, in this worldly way where you live for yourself, in this worldly way where you live for immorality, when you, in this worldly way where you live for compromise. That's not what you came to know when you came to know Jesus Christ. You came to know the one that set you free from your sins. You came to know the one that overcame death. You came to know the one that was pure and holy. And through faith in him, you became pure and holy. And he says, you didn't come to know Jesus through this worldly way. You came to know Jesus through the Spirit of God as it drew you to him. And man, I've got to tell you how crazy it is to think that we could come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, to be born again, to be washed clean through the washing and regeneration of the Holy Spirit, and then think that we could go out and live just like we used to live. It's ridiculous, is it not? Is anybody listening? It ought to be ridiculous. I'm I'm serious. Man, I preach sermons like this, and I've done it for so long that I see people sitting out there going, you know, yeah, whatever. Whatever, big boy. Just on your little soapbox again, aren't you? Do you really want to know my attitude about this sermon? Just so you know where my heart is today. Man, I almost can't take this sermon today. I'm, I'm not kidding. It hurts me at such a level that I can't even tell you. Because the people that live for the world, if you're lost and you're living for the world, man, you're destined for hell. And I am sorry. And how I would long for you to be saved. But if you're a believer here, and I know so many of you are like this, where you don't care about God. You say you do, but you don't live for Him. You couldn't prove it to anybody if you had to that He's the first love of your life. You might, he might come in third or fourth or fifth or sixth, but He's not first by a long shot. And I know, I know what's going to happen with your life sooner or later because I've lived that life. That's a life of brokenness and that's a life of emptiness and that's a life of hardness and ultimately that's a life of great discipline from God. And you really want to know my heart just so you're not guessing up here that I'm just up here preaching like you think I always do without thought. My thought is, Lord, please do not let these guys miss this. Please, God, by your grace, help all of us surrender to your goodness and live for you. That's my heart. And if you, if you leave this place today and Jesus doesn't mean anything to you, That's the worst thing I could possibly ever hear for you. And honestly, if I could fix that, I would do it. But I can't. It's all about the Lord. So please, as I get all fired up through this thing, please hear my heart. And you did not come to know Christ through the world, and God does not want you to live for the world or in the world. It says... In verse 21, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus. If indeed you have heard him, if you have literally heard from God that call to salvation, if that's taken place in your life, then you cannot live for the world. But it also means in as much as you have heard from him. If you have heard that call of Jesus Christ in your life, how is it possible for you to respond to God in any other way other than to walk loving Him at all costs? How is it possible for you to love 
anything else besides Him? How is it possible for you to walk in the ways of the world that you were delivered out of? How is it possible? The answer is, there's only one way. And that's in the futility of your mind. For you to convince yourself that you have a better plan than God does. In the darkness of your understanding, excluding yourself from the life of God, in the ignorance that is your flesh as opposed to the Spirit of God that lives in you, through the hardening of your heart and becoming calloused. Man, you give yourself over to sensuality so that anything goes in your life. And I, I've had some interesting experiences this last week. Uh, I mentioned the thing on Facebook last week. I know this is weird for some of you because you told me that I have a Facebook thing, but I know I'm old and I still do. But still, this past week, I found three people I went to college with on Facebook. I haven't talked to them for over 20 years. And so, you know, they they say, hey, how you doing? What are you up to? Where you live? You know, so I write them back. I'm good. Going to be a grandpa for the first time. Baby girl got married. I'm pastoring a Baptist church. Have been for 20 years. I live in Casper, Wyoming. You know what their response is? A Baptist pastor? Do you know why they say, are you kidding me? Because I lived in the futility of my mind. I was darkened in my understanding. And I know what it is to harden my heart against the ways of God. I know how crazy it is to become so callous that you open your life up to anything goes. And honestly, I wouldn't even talk to these people out of sheer embarrassment for who I was 20 years ago, 23 years ago, if it weren't for the fact that maybe when they say to me, I can't believe you're a Baptist pastor, I can say to them, Jesus changed my life. If it weren't for that, I wouldn't talk to them because it's too embarrassing. Man, I know what it's like to not live for Jesus. I know the pain and the suffering that I experienced. I know the pain that I caused my wife because I wasn't living right when I was when I met her. I know some of the pain I've caused my sin. Man, I know that wasn't the way I was supposed to walk. I knew him. He was mine. I was his. But I hardened my heart. Now, 20 years later, I still feel that twinge of embarrassment for who I was because now I have to explain differently about my Savior. And guess what? I'm not alone in that. I'm not alone in that. The scary part is is that I am convinced there are more people in America who claim Christ who are living like I used to than there are who are living like they should be. And guess what? It's not just about you. It is about this church. It is about the testimony of Jesus Christ. It is about the lost people in this city. It is about the lost people in this world. 
Because it's because of what Christ has done for us and the way He has built up His church that He's calling us to now live for Him, which is completely contrary to the ways of the world. He says, if indeed, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught in Him, just as truth is in Jesus, if indeed you have heard and been taught in Christ through that Spirit of God that lives in us, it's not talking about being taught about Christ. It's talking about being taught in Christ and who He is in your life. If you have heard Him, knowing that truth is in Christ and everything is built upon who He is, not on what you think or what you want or what you've heard, it's all built in Him. If then that's who you are, then listen to what He says ought to be our response. He says in verse 22, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. And he says, in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. When we were born again, God removed that old man from us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When we were born again, God cut away that old man and removed him from us. But the truth of the matter is is that there is still a battle in our flesh every day. A battle over whether we're going to walk with Jesus Christ in righteousness and holiness or whether we're going to live for the world. And I want you to know that the battle is not for compromise. It's not for apathy. It's not for part-time commitment to Jesus. It's not that Jesus will be third or fourth on our list or second on our list. The battle is to put Jesus Christ as the Lord of our life or not. And the Apostle Paul writes in Romans, I do what I don't want to do. I don't do what I do want to do. What a wretched man am I. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then he says, praise be to God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Man, even the great apostle and those that have come before us have struggled with this battle. And yet here it says, man, in in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. You've got to put it away. And because of Christ, because of who Jesus is in your life, you've got to put away all that garbage that corrupts you. And yet here we have people today that live for the most futile things. I mean, we live for the most futile things. How many of you know that today is the first day of the NFL season? Yeah, some of you better raise your hands because you're lying to me. Thank you, Jay. <clears throat> How many of you know that I'm a big football fan? How many of you know that I'm a Bears fan? Woo-hoo! How many of you know that whether the Bears win or lose today won't change my life one bit? How many of you know that whether the Packers win or lose today, Jay, won't change your life one bit? Right, we know that. I'm picking on Jay because we got a little rivalry going. And, uh, but you know, I'll be honest with you, there came a time in my life where I had to say, Lord, you know, if I never watch another football game in my life, what difference does it make? Because I can't live for football 
that would be the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. How could I live for football? When honestly, there's nothing to hold on to in football. It's meaningless. It's empty. It is maybe a best recreation, but it is meaningless. Right? Yeah, I know some of you are like, yeah. Not for me, baby. Just so you know how hardcore I was when my third son was born, I went to the hospital with a bear shirt on, Jacob went, Katie went, and the baby came home with a bear shirt on. I couldn't find one for Beth, or she'd have had one too. So I'm hardcore about this, so you've got to know. But how true is that of money? How true is that of work? How true is that of fishing? How true is that of all these things that sometimes we sell our souls for? How true is that? We have to put aside the old manner of life. We're not living any longer for the things of this world. The things that we live for today are Christ and His ways and His righteousness and His goodness and faith and love and changing this world by the power of God that lives in us. Man, we are to lay aside that old manner of life because that manner of life is being corrupted by the deceitfulness of lust. Lust after the things of the world is deceitful because nothing in the world will satisfy. And so it says, once we lay aside that old self, verse 23, that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, You see, once you move past lusting after the things of this world and living for yourself and living futilely, once you move past that, that's when your mind will be renewed by the Spirit and the power of God. Not just your mind, but the spirit of your mind, the Scripture says, whereby you put your focus back on Jesus Christ and all of a sudden the perspective that God has given you comes back to your life. You begin to see your job through God's eyes. And it's not just a job to gain wages or to gain a home or to gain a car. It's a job to be used for His glory. A job where He can work through you and in you to teach you about who He is and share with others about who He is. All of a sudden, you can begin to see possibility, even like football. Jay, let's not be too harsh on us. Maybe you could actually use football to share about Jesus Christ. Maybe you could use Facebook to share about Jesus Christ. Maybe your mind all of a sudden begins to change the fact that it's Christ that you're living for at every level instead of just on Sunday morning for an hour or Sunday morning if you're really good for two hours if you come for Bible study. And it goes on to say in verse 24, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Man, if we are really going to be First of all, individuals that God wants us to be or families that God wants us to be or more specifically the church that God wants us to be, we have to put on the new self that's created in the likeness of God. That we might walk in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Does that sound like God is asking us to compromise for the things of the world? Or does that sound like God is saying, let's be what God wants us to be at all costs? Which one? Because it's easy, isn't it? If you compromise your life for any reason, 
personal preferences, pleasure, convenience, finances, whatever it might be, to compromise your walk with Jesus Christ, you go back on that path of futility. Futility. It's nothingness. It can't be anything more than nothingness because you're walking away from God and He is a substance. He's the truth. So God is asking you today, first of all, if you're a believer, to look at your life. I mean, to take a really good look at your life. Not just some casual look at your life. He's saying, where's your walk at? Are you walking more like the world or are you walking more like Christ? Which one? And then he's not only asking you to look at your life, but if you have to come up with the answer that says, I'm looking more like the world than I am like Christ, he's asking you to repent. He's asking you to stop. He's asking you to change direction and go back to him. He's not asking you to keep going like that. That's not where life is, and that's not where blessings are, and that's not how the church is going to become that force that changes this world by you or me, either one, compromising at any level. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He's not asking you to be a good person. He's not asking you to come to church on a regular basis. He's asking you to admit that you're a sinner and that you're destined for judgment in a place called hell, and that there's only one Savior, and that's Jesus Christ. And that if you'll put your faith in Him and confess Him as Lord, and that God raised Him from the dead, man, you will be saved. But He's asking for your life, for you to follow Him as Lord from now on. Well, we got a pretty deep choice most every day, don't we? A deep choice. And really the choice is between life and death between blessings and curses if you choose christ it's life if you don't it's death it's just the way it is there's no other in between let's pray together father i love you i thank you for your word i thank you for the power of it and i thank you that you can use your word to transform lives this morning and i ask that you will For everyone here that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation as you draw them to Jesus and they surrender to you as Lord. I ask for those of us that have been saved, the Lord God, we would put aside, lay aside the old self and put on the new self in the likeness of God and walk in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Lord, help us be your people and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and respond to the Lord this morning.